If you like the podcast, don't forget to check us out on Instagram at What Happens in the Crypt. We're also on Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. interested in is love. Hello lovers, maidens, mistresses, and masters. This is episode five of What Happens in the Crypt. Today we are talking about the 2017 film The Love Witch. And this is definitely the best 60s horror movie made in the 2000s. This movie was written, directed, composed, edited, and produced by Anna Biller. The length actually makes more sense knowing all this now. She did all the things. She did all the things. As far as trigger warnings go, um, there is one scene that depicts suicide and self-harm, so just be warned if that's upsetting to you. Elaine, played by Samantha Robinson, a young witch, is determined to find a man to love her. In her gothic Victorian apartment, she makes spells, potions, then picks up men and seduces them. However, her spells usually work too well, and she ends up with a string of hapless victims. And she actually is technically a serial killer by the end of this. Oh yeah, she is. She's a witch and a serial killer. The movie opens with Elaine having left San Francisco after the mysterious death of her husband to rent a room where she's going to continue doing art. After she pulls up in her 70s convertible, a... Very modern BMW pulls up (laughs) right behind her. It is truly ridiculous. Makes you really question what year it's supposed to be. Elaine is wearing, like, a go-go outfit, and she has all this, like, vintage red leather suitcases and bags and all of that, too. And the style of the building, it looks like a little castle. Yeah, super Victorian, really old, for sure. This is where she meets Trish, who almost immediately invites her to a fancy little tea room. The tea party scene kind of feels like it comes out of nowhere. We have women in Renaissance outfits. Everyone is wearing pink. Elaine has just arrived from San Francisco, but she manages to change into the most insane vintage outfit with a hat that is bigger than the doorframe. And... To boot, there's this harp player that's, I think she's the only musician in this entire little tea room. Right. (laughs) And she's just sitting there with the most ridiculous wig. The wig is really sad. It is yellow. Absolutely yellow. It looks like it was bought at a dollar store. The rest of the room is so well done. It's so strange. Yeah, they just sit down and have little little sandwiches, little cakes, and some tea. (laughs) In this tea party scene, Elaine really explains to Trish what men want (laughs) and how she's here to find her true love and all of that ridiculous jargon, but essentially telling Trish that if you give men exactly what they want, then they'll love you forever. They'll never leave you. Shortly after this, she sits down at a bench in a little park and starts to have a sandwich and immediately meets a man. She sees Wayne from a distance, and he's talking to a girl, and we actually see his face change to her dead husband's face, then back to his, and clearly he is the next target. (laughs) As soon as she locks eyes with him, he's so enamored that he has to approach her. 
One of the first things she says to him is, I can tell you love nature. <laughs> I like your impression of her. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I've been working on it all week. So this nature comment really segues into him mentioning that he has a little cabin in the woods, and she convinces him to take her there. Within 30 seconds. Because, you know, when you meet a really hot girl, you're immediately like, let me take you to my cabin alone. In the woods. Dudes should be afraid of getting murdered, too. Speaking of afraid of getting murdered, as soon as they get there, she's like, here's this flask. Drink, drink all of it. Right. It's not only women that get roofied, either. Should be afraid of getting murdered and roofied at all times. Never trust any drinks. Yeah, because he even, he drinks it and he's like, he's like, what is this? He can't even tell what it is. And she keeps telling him to chug it. Like, not saying chug it, but she keeps telling him to finish the whole thing. Drink it all. And she doesn't even take a sip. Right. And he just does it. Red flag. After they get to the cabin, Elaine actually starts making him dinner and she's got all of this like elaborate stuff for this meal. Yeah, you know, potatoes, steaks that look like dicks. Yeah, it's very clearly dick steaks. It's very clearly dick steaks. Obviously, the flask that Wayne was drinking in the car was not booze, and it's now starting to have a weird drug-like effect on him. And he's literally sitting there eating, and he just goes, I feel weird. And she says to him, oh yeah, there's hallucinogenics in it. After the comment about the hallucinogenics, she says she wants to make herself more comfortable. When she starts stripping, she reveals this rainbow underneath her coat that actually blinds this poor high guy <laughs> because it's so bright. And Wayne says uh, she has two selves. The dark, quiet self that you show the world and the rainbow, who do you give that to? And she says, I give, give the rainbow to you. After he's given the rainbow, they go to make love on his all-gold bed. It's like gold satin sheets. The morning after, he is super sick and screaming for her, calling for her, and she goes to take care of him, but is totally, like, mockingly doing so. She doesn't give a shit at all. Um, and it's very clear that the potion that she gave him has kind of poisoned him. Yeah, he can't even get out of bed. Wayne's death takes place over basically a day. During his suffering, she's kind of doing her own thing. She's doing her own witchy stuff. <laughs> and even calls him a pussy when he's screaming for her. What a pussy. What a baby. It's my favorite line. <laughs> what is a Wayne? What is a baby? What a pussy. What a baby. After Wayne dies, Elaine ends up creating a witch bottle, which she urinates into, which is gross. And then she also adds a used tampon to it, which is also gross. <laughs> she also puts some herbs in it. Herbs. Herbs. Herbs and spices. Herbs and spices. Into this bottle. The purpose of the witch bottle was actually to protect Elaine. And so... After Wayne's death, she buries him and she puts this witch bottle on top, which is meant to actually protect her from any negative things and spirits that might come her way because of this act. She also burns the rainbow that she gave to him on his grave. Metal. I was going to say that's actually pretty metal. <laughs> Elaine's next victim in her love pilgrimage is Richard, Trish's husband. At this point in the movie, Trish actually goes on 
a, a work trip to Dallas for, to a furniture convention. As all interior designers do, you know. Elaine invites Richard over and gives him the largest cup known to man to drink love potion out of. Yeah, he needs both hands, and it's like half the size of his torso. It's ridiculous. And he drinks the whole stupid thing. Yeah, he's just sitting there on the couch, just taking sips with both hands on this giant glass. (laughs) After Richard drinks the whole gigantic cup of love potion, he also starts to hallucinate, similar to Wayne. And he sees rainbows around Elaine and all of that. But this time, her seduction is a little bit more fast, erratic, it's weirder. Kind of twitchy, and the music is very strange. The music is unnerving. (laughs) After the seduction, they make their way to the bedroom. (laughs) Later on, Richard is so obsessed with Elaine, and he can't have her, and he just can't live without her, that he ends up killing himself, and Trish finds his body. In the bathtub. And she has no idea what has happened or why he's done this. Or who he's been having an affair with. Which she has guessed at this point. The next love of Elaine's life is Griff. Griff is actually the police officer detective investigating Wayne's death. And actually is the police officer that pulls her over in the very beginning. Full circle. Full circle. (laughs) He's a hunky, manly man that she's been looking for. They have a whirlwind kind of romance, you know, where you go horseback riding in the woods. It's beautiful. It's romantic. And then you end up in a random renaissance festival. As you do. Hosted by your coven. By your friends that are in a coven. They show up, and Griff has no idea what's happening, and they decide to have a mock wedding. And it's also, like, the longest scene. It goes on forever. Ever. When watching this movie, you'll notice that there are a couple scenes that are very long. Mm-hmm. This mock wedding, even though it's for fun and it's campy and it's a renaissance festival, is actually like Elaine's deepest desire because she's been looking for her prince. She wants to be married, all of that stuff. They say, even in the scene, that it's a mock wedding, but to her, it's just all real. That is 100% for her. Every time they show her eyes, you can tell. (laughs) After returning from this bizarre renaissance romance, of course, Elaine has to meet up with her BFF Trish to tell her about how in love she is at the weird tea room. They have to have, you know, teas and cakes, Avi. What else do you do when you're in love? And then she shows off the fake wedding ring. Right. And at this point... Trish's husband is dead, so it's almost like Elaine is rubbing this in her face. She's about to be married to the man of her dreams. And Trish is a widow. (laughs) They even make comment of it in the scene that at the beginning of the movie, uh, Elaine was jealous of Trish for having a husband and that Elaine had no man. At their tea party, Elaine actually forgets her fake ring. And so Trish decides to bring it to her at her apartment. If only it were that simple. Because this leads into one of the creepiest scenes I have ever seen. It is so bizarre. (laughs) She goes to take the ring back, but doesn't stop there. She walks through her apartment, looking at her paintings, her drawings, and then makes her way to Elaine's bedroom. 
Yeah, so Trish sits down and starts putting on Elaine's makeup and then puts on a wig cap and puts on her wig and is totally dressing up as Elaine. Even going as far as to put on her underwear. And that's way too far. And then her silk bathrobe thing? Yeah, like her robe. It keeps going a step further <laughs> and it's like, oh, now the wig? Oh, now she's picking up her underwear? Yeah, she's a creepy creep for sure. And that's when she finds all of the portraits of these men who have been disappearing and dying. And of course, amongst them, she finds a photo of her recently deceased husband. As well as a card that says, looking forward to tonight, love, Richard, something along those and lines. And a photo of Richard and Elaine together as well. So she is totally freaking out. This is actually the last scene with Trish, and Elaine walks in to her bedroom and sees Trish all dressed up. Elaine is really creepy in this scene, too, because she picks up that knife and she's holding it in front of her with just, like, a weird smirk on her face. And immediately gets smacked out of her hand. Yeah, Trish immediately overpowers her and holds her down on the bed, calling her a bitch and a whore and a harlot and then runs away in her lingerie while elaine lays there crying the final scene we want to talk about is actually the final scene there's a bar fight where elaine gets attacked for being a witch and of course griff the big hunky detective comes to her rescue getting a little injured along the way there's a lot of shouting of burn the witch everybody wants to burn the witch a lot of close-ups of people screaming, burn the witch. A lot of close-ups on mouths of people screaming, burn the witch. It's very odd. It's something. It's something. Back in Elaine's bedroom, she's trying to console and care for the black-eyed Griff. Classic Elaine move. She gives him a little glass of her love potion, but he rejects it. It does not work for once. He throws it. When he rejects her, she has a bit of a meltdown here, and she... Yeah, she starts grabbing at her hair and, like, her face, like, putting her hands up to her face and, like, backing away from him. And she looks over at Griff and sees a skull in place of his face. He actually doesn't say a single word in this entire final scene. Right. But her previous victims speak through him. Yeah, being superimposed over him are all of her previous hu husbands slash lovers. And they all say, I love you, Elaine. I love you, Elaine. I love you, Elaine. But Griff is sitting there silently, just glaring at her. And then she just sits in bed next to him and stabs him to death, repeatedly stabbing him multiple times in the chest. While Griff lays there dying, she goes into this full fantasy sequence where she sees him as the prince from the Renaissance Fair, but it's real this time, and she's the princess. He shows up as the perfect Prince Charming, including the tights, and finally says that he loves her, and he's never loved anybody as much as he has loved her. The end. The final scene of the movie is actually exactly the same as the painting she's been working on throughout. The image of the woman that has carved the heart out of the man in white and the f the glass of wine has been spilled. Mm -hmm. Elaine's makeup is over the top and constant in this movie. 
the blue eyeshadow and the winged eyeliner is definitely the look of the time and really reminiscent of go-go dancers as well, which was a huge deal in the 60s and 70s. Emma Willis was the lead makeup artist on this film. All the outfits were picked and designed by director Anna Biller. She did literally everything on this film, including sewing Elaine's outfits from vintage pieces that she thrifted. Um, She actually made some stuff from scratch, and she also sewed the iconic pentagram rug that we see Elaine doing rituals on in the beginning of the movie, and it took her about six months to complete. I don't know if I have ever heard of a director, editor, producer, composer. I don't don't think I've ever heard of anybody doing this much on a feature film. It is really insane. Yeah. The music in the movie was all also done <laughs> by Anna Biller. A part of production that I really like about this movie is that most of the effects are done in camera. They would apply filters or prisms and kaleidoscopes to the lens to do a lot of the effects. So a lot of the hallucination scenes were done in camera right then and there when they were shooting. They even did the driving scenes the old school way like they would have done in an older film where they would have a a fake car or a real car on set, and then they would project a background onto, uh, like, a white wall or a black wall. I love that effect, though. It really, like, it's its own thing. It's very cool. This movie looks old because it was done in an old style. So this was actually shot on 35mm film, which is not commonly done nowadays. Everything is digital. You, you just slap on a, an effect or a filter to make it look older. But this was really done the old way, and the director even... She's also the editor. <laughs> of course she is. Because <laughs> of course she is. But she actually cut the film together. Nowadays, cutting film, cutting a movie has a different meaning. But she did it the old school way, where she was literally cutting rolls of film. She didn't do it digitally. That's wild. This is one of the reasons, too, that the actual movie took seven years to complete from beginning to end. Most producers and people making movies generally don't have seven years of patience, but it really paid off for this one. Locations for this movie are kind of confusing to talk about because you see that awesome-looking apartment building where she's supposed to be staying, but that's not where it was shot. The interiors for that were all done on a soundstage, so they were built after the fact. So it's all custom. You can actually see behind the scenes of people up in the ceiling, and you can see just like bare walls on the other side. Yeah, and they actually did that because of the size of the camera equipment they were using, right? Yeah, so this film, it was filmed, so the camera was massive, and the... Super 35, you you need more light because it's not digital. The Love Witch uses a lot of different metaphors here within Elaine, and it's definitely a super feminist movie as well. Elaine's character fully embraces the femme fatale archetype. Anna Biller is also known to be a feminist filmmaker, so obviously those themes really pull within her movies. It definitely explores the dynamic between men and women. 
the acting in this movie might seem like it's bad, <laughs> but actually the way that Elaine speaks and the way that the characters interact was really on point for a movie of this era as well. It's not just the colors and the look that was supposed to match the 60s. The acting was really supposed to be over the top. This was done on purpose. Right. Elaine wasn't meant to be portrayed as a dumb character, but she spoke the way that women spoke in movies at this time. This movie definitely has some interesting behind the scenes. If you Google it at all, you will discover that apparently everyone hated the movie that worked on it, and Anna Biller was not the easiest director, producer, etc., etc. to work with. She put out a series of 17 tweets saying how everybody that worked on the film was attempting to sabotage it. It's never good when you are the one tweeting that you are being sabotaged. I'm sure there were some difficulties on set, but if your entire crew is out to get you, then I don't know what that really says as you as the director, editor, producer, <laughs> who is the one hiring these people. You're in charge of these people on set. I know this from working on many sets in my lifetime, and I've, for one, never dealt with somebody who was pro producer, director, editor, writer, all of the things, but I've worked on enough sets to know that nobody is out to get you. Like, they're, everybody on a set is professional. Everybody is aware of time. They know you only have this amount of days, this amount of time to shoot a movie. That's the only, that, that's where I'm not exactly on her side fully <laughs> with this. Right, it sounds like a bit of a cluster all in all. <laughs> so I would say that we really enjoyed this movie, but it is two hours long, and at some parts it feels like seven hours long. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of scenes that drag. There's a lot of, I, I know there's one scene where at, they're at this burlesque show, and uh, Barbara and Gehen, her this, these are Elaine's witchy friends. They're the head of this coven. And they are literally giving you, like, textbook, just pages of dialogue with nothing else going on. Right, it just flashes from Elaine's face to their face to Elaine's face. I actually think this movie could have been an hour and a half. For sure. However, though, the idea of Elaine using sex magic for revenge is so fun. Witchcraft is just a way of concentrating energy. You can only work with what's already there. I just use sex magic to create love magic. And it's really hard to hate on the movie as a whole for the premise it brings. You definitely can't hate on this movie. The look, the writing is good. The, the, the story is good. It, I just think it's a bit long. We would give this movie a three and a half out of five. Definitely worth a watch. And we've watched this like four times now. Yeah. <laughs> the dearly departed from this movie begin with her first husband, Jerry, who she poisoned. Trish's husband, Richard, who she drove to suicide. Wayne, the nature-loving professor who had a love potion overdose. And big bad police dude, Griff, who she stabbed to death. The Love Witch is available to watch on Shudder and also on Crackle, which is another streaming app. But if you haven't checked out Shudder yet, you definitely need to get on that. Yeah, if you're a horror fan, you really need to be watching Shudder. 
It is $6 a month, and it is worth it. For next week, the boogeyman is real, and you found him. We will be talking about Rob Zombie's 2003 movie, House of a Thousand Corpses. And this is Rob Zombie's first horror movie. You can check it out for free on Tubi if you want to watch it beforehand. We're definitely excited to talk about these insane, twisted characters. Love is a magical thing. Love will make you feel like a queen or a king. 